Aren't you grateful that like, we serve a God who, who brings dead things back to life, right? Come on, he doesn't just like make good, like bad people good. He, he brings dead people back to life. Or maybe you've had those moments where like you just seem dead, like man, dead in the junk of the past or, or, or maybe just dead to some dumb decisions and then God breathes life into your situation and, and, and he brings life into your story. And, and we're starting this new series today all centered around this one idea. Everyone has a story and your story matters. And, and it's on this series we're gonna call Storyline that we're thinking about, hey, you got a story. I mean, it might be ugly, but right? <laughs> but like, you got a story, and and your story matters. And and so as we kick this 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 series off, I was thinking one thing we all love. And if you don't love, you you, you need help. But we all love a good movie, right? Yeah. Come on, like you love like you love a movie that like inspire you, or like like a, like a high school movie that takes you back to the good old days, which is on a Thursday, by the way. But like you like yeah, a movie that takes you back, or or maybe uh. Maybe like ladies, your rom-com that makes you fall in love again. Some, any, any ladies, any rom-com fans in the room? <laughs> too many guys, you raised your hands, I'm judging. I love a good one too. Made Manhattan my favorite. Uh, but anyways, that is not important. Um, and, and so like we love movies and so it must be the new Top Gun. Yes. Okay, and, oh, we love it, right? And, but it's this idea, can, can Maverick get the best but most arrogant pilots in the world to, to come together and, and unify and, and kind of wrestle through those internal tensions to, to like do the most impossible mission ever. And, but it's those moments of them wrestling with the junk inside and, and can we really do this? That, that's the moment like in your life and in my life, we want to scratch through and mark through, right? You know, we don't want to remember those, but like those are the moments I, I think we should highlight because that's what makes the movie great. And Spoiler alert, uh, if you haven't seen Top Gun, I'm sorry, but um, so Maverick, he, he, uh, Tom Cruise, like he meets up with Will Smith and they defeat an alien invasion on the 4th of July in DC. It was, it's amazing, so you need to see it. And man, and, and come on, and thanks to Rooster, right? The mustache is back. Dads, you've clean lips and hairy upper lips and clean faces and hairy upper lips are back. You've waited since the 90s. You held on, you're, you're good. Um, or like we love the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Die Hard, right? And, and if you don't think it's a Christmas movie, I'm kidding. But uh, so like Die Hard, and we want to know, can John McClane like fight these inner demons and, and win back his, his wife and stop Hans Gruber and, and all the chaos that, that is going on and, and the ugly like vigilante moments in his life or like the, the dumb things he does throughout the movie, he blows everything up. Like those are the moments we want to mark through, but like what if we just kind of highlighted those moments and because everyone has a story and your story matters. Or I think about like some of the greatest sports movies of all time, right? We have Rudy, yeah, I know Rudy fans. This must be the young crowd. There's one guy. Come on, I'll hug you later. Uh, what about, um, there's like, remember the Titans, the greatest one ever, yeah. There's Rocky 300, right? They just keep coming. They're so good. Or there's even some really good ones like uh, Bench Warmers. <laughs> or the, yeah, <laughs> the Ringer. Or the greatest of all time, Dodgeball. Um, and so, but what we love, uh, like in Remember the Titans, is how Coach Boone and, and he, strong side. Thank you. Somebody remembered it because we're the old ones in the room. But uh, and remember the Titans, like Coach Boone, he gets the team to unify, right? Despite like the two different schools coming together and the tensions and the battle and jockeying for position and who's going to be the best. Like, and, and then there's like the, segregate, the desegregating schools, like all the racial tension and like the moments behind the scenes at the movie shows of like the fighting, like 
we want to like, oh, that's kind of ugly. Let's mark through that. We don't want to remember that. But I think like maybe, maybe those are the moments that, um, that God, God wants to, to highlight. And see, what makes all these great stories are, are those moments that are good and, and sometimes ugly and bad, but it's these moments that, that, that make a great story. And it, but it's funny, like in our lives, in, in the story of our lives, like there's moments that, I, that we wish we could mark through and forget. Am I the only one? Like we're like, ah, oh, you know what I don't want to say. Mark through that, that never happened. But I think these are the moments that make our story with God the best. I think these are the moments we need to highlight. Like, we, we want to forget the time when your marriage was on the rocks and like you were on the verge of divorce. You guys hated each other, but, but God worked a miracle. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you ended up single and, and, and the, it was, maybe it was divorce or death and like that's the moment like you want to mark through. But maybe, maybe God has something bigger for it. Like if you are here last week, Miss Jen Grotti, she, she shared the story of, of losing her teenage daughter in an accident. And I think it's like for her to get up here and share that story, I'm, man, that's like something I'd want to mark through. Like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to talk about that on stage. But yet God redeems those moments and he brings something bigger and he brings purpose to pain. But so often in our lives, like maybe, maybe you were, maybe you're battling through depression or loneliness and and then there's this moment, it was deep and dark, and, and God brought you through. Or for some of you, maybe, maybe you were battling with addiction, and, and it was a dark season in your life. You're like, eh, bloop, never happened. But I think maybe we want to highlight what God did in those moments. And why? And I get, like, why sometimes. I think, really, if I could forget that moment, it might be really good. If I could, if I could forget that dumb thing I did on that business trip, like, that'd be awesome, right? Or if I could mark through that season of life. But I think, I, I think those are the moments in life I understand because I'm the same way. Like we want to forget those. I, I think those are the moment God wants to highlight and redeem. And some of you are like, oh, you know what? I don't have anything good in my story because you hadn't had that encounter with Jesus yet. But um, he hasn't said that to your story, but you're in a good place. I think today's the day he can do it. Uh, but if you hang around here long enough, you're going to catch on to this is that everyone has a story and your story matters. And so no matter how good, how bad, how ugly, like you have a story and, and your story matters. And, and, and it's maybe the moments of your story that you want to like kind of mark through that, that God wants to highlight. So we're gonna look at the story of a guy named Moses. If you, if you, if you know the story, it's, it's an amazing story. So we're gonna look at the storyline the story of Moses' life. And there's moments all throughout his life that like, he, if it was us, we'd be like, oh, because I mean, he, he, he's writing the story, right? We'd be like, bloop. I did everything perfect. Nope, I didn't murder anybody. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I think God wants to highlight those. And so let's look at Moses' story and to give you some context as we jump in in the book of Exodus. Um, Moses, uh, Moses lives in, in Egypt. And at the time, Egypt was the greatest world power. And, and at that time, Moses is a Hebrew. All the Hebrews were slaves to the Egyptians. And, and so let's catch it up right here when Moses was born. Oh, oh I forgot to tell you, very important part of the story. Um, Moses, uh, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he decides, you know what, let's just, th- these, these, these Hebrews, there's going to be too many of them, so I got an idea. Let's just kill all the little boys. Um, so single ladies, you're like, man, the market was slim. They were thinking it was getting really slim, right? And so like, we're going to kill all the Hebrew boys. Why am I making a joke about genocide? I don't know. <laughs> we should pray for me. Okay, let's get back to the Bible now. Um, so in Exodus 2, verses 2 through 3. 
is my face red? Because it feels red right now. <laughs> and then the guy with the mustache is pointing at me and laughing. Let's focus now. Um, the woman became pregnant. That's Moses' mom. And she gave birth to a son. And she saw that it was a special baby, so she kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in a basket and laid it among the reeds. Can't talk, um, which will go into Moses' story. He'll just watch. Uh, laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. And I think the beauty of it here is, is Moses' mom, like she sees that, wow, he, he's creating the image of God, like as all of us are. He, he's special. And so I'm just, the beauty of that moment. But then like, does anybody remember in middle school when you had to get like the popsicle sticks and make like a boat and stuff like that? It never floated. I'm just amazed this woman made something with sticks that floated and it held a baby. And, and, and so it floats and, and she puts it in the river and let's catch up right here in Exodus 2, 5 through 6. So soon Pharaoh's daughter, so the king's daughter, came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. And when the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid over to get it for her. And when the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. And so Pharaoh's daughter is at the river and she sees a basket and there's this moment where she sends her maid over. And I, I won't, have you ever wondered why the maid? Like, why, why did she send her over? And I'm going to give you the, the, this, the deep meaning of that passage. She just didn't want to get eaten by a crocodile. So she's like, we're going to send, we're going to send this lady over. She gets eaten. We'll send somebody else over. They'll get the basket. So she gets the basket and, and she brings it over and... Um, and here's this moment, it's, it's a cool moment, but she adopts this little Hebrew baby. And, and, um, and she's the king, uh, the king's daughter. And, and I love the beauty of this, the first adoption story in the Bible. And, and I think if we were to graze through and just fly through this storyline, we would, we would miss this moment. And, 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 and the princess stood up she stood up to racism. She stood up to injustice that it was actually enacted by her father. And she adopted a Hebrew boy. And I, I think this is a beautiful moment. And listen, but, but church, like we, we need to hear this, that uh, it was through adoption she raised the world changer. Like the, 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 just the beauty of that. And, and I love that, um, guys, adoption is a strategy that's in the very heart of God. And you and I, we're... We're called, we're called adoptive children of, of, of God. Like we're adopted into his family. And, and guys, it's, adoption is a strategy of God to get pe the pe his people where he wants them. And so think about this. Pharaoh, who's adopted by the king of Egypt, like he gets an Ivy League education without the student loans. He gets to be, be around the greatest world leaders at the time and learn from them. He, see, God was getting him in the place to get him the things he needed to to get in him to do the things God called him to do. And it was this strategy of God. And, and listen, I just as I was wrestling and praying through this, is God got Moses where he got him to prepare him for what he had for him. And, and for those of you here that are adopted, I think it's a reminder, hey, God's got you where he wants you. And, and, and for our, our parents and adoptive parents in the room, like, I think you're, you're acting out a strategy of heaven in the heart of the Father. And we want to say thank you. And maybe some of you, and like, I don't know, I'm going to say it every service. And if you're online, like, uh, this is like, ooh, ah, man, we were praying through adoption. Maybe, th maybe, maybe this is your, that, that confirming moment in your story. 
And so if it is, email me. I want to know all about it. We want to celebrate with you. We want to shout with you. And, and so Moses starts growing up, and he's living in this, in this Egyptian household. And I mean, I guess at 16, like, he got, like, the, the coolest chariot in town, you know, like the Tesla version of it. And, and like, he was, like, he was always, like, looking fire every, every time he went to school. Like, dude had the best clothes. He was around all the rich people. He was living in the palace. Like, he, he, you know, he probably had that fake thing, like, disease of a gluten allergy or fake, you know. I'm kidding. I always make jokes. It's not, I know it's not fake. Judgy looks you guys give me. Um, and so like he, he was eating the best food and he was living the best life. And then one day, um, I, I don't know, but like, I wonder like one day he realized. He's like, man, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew boy. He's like, I'm a Hebrew boy with a Hebrew name raised by Egyptians. Because like, like, there's this moment, like, I wonder, did, was Moses bullied because he was different? Maybe, maybe he felt not good enough or judged. Can you imagine the moments? Just imagine, like, he's in class, and, and the teacher's talking about slavery and the Hebrews, and He sits in that class and every eye in the room goes to him. I think it might be this moment too where he looks at his friends and realizes, I I might be their only Hebrew friend. That couldn't have been fun. And I think that's a moment, if I'm Moses, I'd wanna mark through but I think that's the moment that God brings life to it. And, and, and he wants to highlight, but see, listen, it was, it was through this that he developed the thick skin he needed to be a leader, but the tenderness to hear the heart of God. And it was his story and the things we would want to mark through. And, but then he, he's seeing, he's seeing the, the racism and the injustice. And then watch this in Exodus 2, verse 11. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, He went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. And during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. And and, watch this, church. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. And, you know, I know as well as Moses does, like once you commit murder, you have to go on the run. Thank you for like the two or three laughs. Like, oh, our church is edgy. I like this place. I hadn't murdered anybody. Some of you may have, and you can tell us where they are in the white tanks. We'll go find them, um, the bodies. But uh, so Moses, Moses commits a murder, and he, he, he kills this Egyptian. And it's probably a moment, you know, if you're writing this book, it is Moses, you, you don't want to be known. And, and Pharaoh puts a hit out on his life. And, and so Moses made this impulsive decision, and he's like now on the run. Right, like he's having to run, and, and, and Pharaoh is trying to kill him, and have you ever noticed in your own life that impulsive decisions are usually the worst decisions? Like, oh, but I gotta go buy that car. I bought a car one time on impulse. Don't judge me, it's paid off now, but still at the moment, it was the worst decision ever. But when we make impulsive decisions, how many times are they just the worst of the decisions of our lives? And see, Moses, he did this, guys. He looked left and right, and he realized that no one was watching, and he made a really poor decision. And how many times have you made decisions because nobody was watching? I'm on this business trip. My wife's gone. My, my spouse is gone. I can do whatever. Or maybe. 
maybe you watched something you shouldn't because nobody was around or you behaved away because nobody was looking. And see, listen, Moses looked right and left, but didn't look up. And when we don't look up to see what God wants or thinks, we get in trouble. And so there, there, now, now listen, I, I didn't put this in the notes, but I, I bet you if he was in a groove, I bet you if he was surrounded by the right people, he wouldn't make dumb decisions. But still, there are going to be moments when you're faced with temptation alone, and there's that moment when we can look up to the Father. And there's this moment when we can connect with God. And, and now, now, Moses, now God does redeem this, this moment of stupidity. And, he, and, and while it's a moment we would want to mark through, I think God would want to highlight. But Moses sinned, and he teaches us something about sin. Moses had a legitimate desire. He wanted to fight back against racism. But sin is meeting legitimate desires in illegitimate ways. And so what does he do is he has this idea and he has a desire to bring justice to the world, but he just did it, did it a dumb way. And so how many times have we had legitimate desires and needs in minimum illegitimate ways? Think about it, like in your story, without, through your storyline, what is it? Is it single people? Like maybe... Maybe in loneliness, the, a random hookup. We're like, oh man, this will make me feel better for a moment. It's, it's meeting a, a legitimate, and maybe you need to learn to talk. We, we'll help you with that too. It's meeting a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way, or maybe you, you had a desire to be free of pain, and so you prescribed some medicine, but now you just take the pills for the sake of getting high. How many times was a need to sleep and a drink at night to calm your nerves ended up a bottle at night? How many times you felt lonely in a marriage and maybe, maybe you're like, well, that coworker, like they understand me or, or I can reconnect it with that old Facebook uh, sweetheart, but they're, they're really kind and they get me and it's just conversation. Delete the app. Seeing this meeting legitimate desires in illegitimate ways and and listen, because of Moses' dumb decision, he spends 40 years in the wilderness. And listen, if you're not, like within our storyline, like there's, there's a wilderness season you're gonna wanna mark through. And it could be like Moses from a dumb decision or it could be just something that life led you to. But remember this, God will never waste the wilderness. And, and see, while Moses was in the wilderness, God was doing something because he, he never wastes a wilderness season. And see, God wanted to use Moses to get the nation of Israel out of Egypt. But God needed to use the wilderness to get the Egypt out of Moses. And so he's in this season and he's in the desert and God's, God's beginning to do something in his life and we'll catch up there in Exodus 3. He's on the run, he's living in the desert. He's, he's met this guy and he's, he's married his daughter and he's raising his sheep. And let's listen, and, Moses, and not Moses, that's not a book. In Exodus 3, 1, we read this. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. And I love this part. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go and see it. And Moses is talking to himself. <laughs> and I'm like, but like some of us, maybe we just need to talk better to ourselves. <laughs> and, and maybe that's your word for today. Talk better to yourself. Now, if you start arguing with yourself and you lose, we, we got some other help for you. But, uh, oh, man, that one landed last service. Give me a pity laugh at least. Thank you. Um, somebody laughed harder at me making fun of myself, and they did the joke. And so let's keep going. And 
When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, and here I am, Moses replied. And have you ever wondered why the bush was on fire? Like, why did, why, why did God burn the bush? And I believe it was this. God was committed to doing whatever it took to get Moses' attention. He's like, if I got to burn a bush, if I got to send a friend, and maybe God, listen, God will do, he's so committed to whatever it is he needs to do to get your attention, he'll do it. And so maybe that random conversation is God getting your attention. Maybe something that was said the day or a song that was saying, and you're like, ah, does God really care? And then that song speaks to something. God's committed to do whatever it takes to get your attention. And if it means burning a bush, but then again, it makes, gets me wondering, like, how many bushes did Moses miss that were burning? Like, I wonder if he, if he missed the bush because he was zoned into his phone. I was hanging out with some friends the other day um, at a house right across the street, and my little, my little girl is eight. Her name's Harper Rose, and we're, uh, she, she's very the, theatrical. I don't know where she gets it from. Um, she's kind of over the top, very dramatic. I don't know where she gets that from. But uh, she was like, hey, I want to show you guys how you all act whenever you're cooking or whatever. And she's like reenacting every people, very dramatic. And she was look, this is how dad cooks. And she was like... You laugh? It broke my heart. And you're still laughing at me. <laughs> but in that moment, I'm like, ah. Oh, what have I missed of my daughter? Because my phone's, I'm in my phone or I'm distracted by everything else. And how many times have we missed God and missed God in our story because we're so caught up in, we're so caught up in life. We're so caught up in our phones, our email. Maybe, uh, I think some of us, we get so caught up in like, I gotta figure out God's will for my life in this. And you get so busy seeking God's will that you miss his face. And listen, and, and I know we got a lot of young people in here, but like if, 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 you wanna, if, you wanna, if you wanna know God's will, if you seek God, you'll bump into his will. Like the more you get to know God, the more you spend time with God, you'll know his will. And see, listen, we want the map, but God wants us to seek his heart. And, and so it was in the desert that, that Moses learned to seek the heart of God, and God did whatever it could to get his attention. And, and then in that time with Jesus, God gives him purpose. In that time with God and the, the burning bush, that God speaks purpose into Moses' life. And um, it's this crazy moment that Moses is in the desert. He just ran from murder and all the craziness of his life. And then God says, you're going to go back to Egypt and set the Hebrews free. I'd be like, dude. Listen, can we mark through this whole conversation? Because <laughs> I just killed somebody. The king wants to kill me. I think it shows us once God heals you, he'll often call you back to your place of hurt and pain to set others free. And listen, that's the beauty of your story. It's like God says, I don't care what you've been through, like what you want to mark through and I've healed you and, and I've helped you overcome is I want to use you to set other people free. I want to use your story. But instead we're like, yeah, I don't want to go there. And say, we'll, we'll, we'll hide in fear and pain. And God says, I want to use you. Yeah. And the very place that you thought was the most painful place is the place I want to send you back to set others free. Right. And so in that moment, God begins to speak purpose into Moses' life. And then Moses does what you and I do. He's like, oh, my God, you know, I, I'm adopted or, 
you know, I, I kind of pretty bitter at the Egyptians for how they treated me growing up. And by the way, like I killed this guy. I don't know if you saw that guy, but like I did that thing. And I'm pretty sure he got mad at a sheep one time and kicked it. I'm animal lovers. You're more offended about that than murder. I get it. Actually, I don't. I really don't. But like, he's like, I've done all this, man. God, you can't use me. I don't speak well. And I just wonder what part of his story do you think disqualified him? <laughs> and what part of your story makes you feel that way? What part of your story makes you feel like you can't be used? Wow. And so he's, he's, he's arguing with God. He's having this conversation with God in Exodus 4, 1 through 2. And I want you guys to, to, to hear this. But Moses pro- protested again. What, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, like, does this sound like y'all? Like, what if they say the Lord never appeared to you? How many times has God done, sorry, I, I went fast, but how many times has you, have you known, like students, you went to camp and God did something special in your life or you've been to church and God does something special in your life and then you're like, uh, if I go back and tell my family, will they really believe this? Like, I mean, I think the, the same lies that Satan used in, in, in Genesis, he's still gonna use today. Like, God, Satan ain't very creative. Like, he doesn't change his strategy. He's gonna lie to you and say, God didn't really say that to you. I guess just, it's just his lies, his, his, his MO. And then the Lord speaks to Moses. This is my favorite line. He says, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. And why does that staff matter? And like, I am a nerd, if you hadn't noticed, but like, I could tell you all the theology and the, and the, and, and the symbolism and the staff. This is one thing you know, he had this stick, but it wasn't a pretty stick. I mean, granted, like it was, you know, it was kind of probably not straight, and but it wasn't pretty. But the reason it wasn't pretty was because it had cuts and carvings and markings in his staff. Because as a shepherd, that was his story. So that time he was out in the, in the desert and he's like, oh, that's a big lion. I don't know if I can take it. And he fought the lion with the staff. He'd make a mark. Oh, remember when God set, delivered me from the lion. And, and then he was out in the desert and he felt really lonely and alone. And then another, another, another shepherd came by and he had a friend and a long night and he would carve the moment. He said, God, you knew I was lonely and you sent somebody. And then the moment whenever he was running from his past, he was running from his sin, he was running from his mistakes like you and I, he, and God met him at a bush, he'd carve a notch in the staff. Maybe whenever um, him and his wife were trying to get pregnant and they couldn't. And they would pray and pray and pray. And they finally got pregnant. There was a mark in the staff. And see, the staff was his story. The staff was a reminder. See, God was telling him, everyone has a story and your story matters. And God says, what's in your hand? And Moses says the same thing. You and I have a story. It's his story in his hand. And, and we keep going in Exodus 4, 3 through 4. God says this, throw it on the ground. And he, I don't know if God sounded this country as me right then, but I'm sure he did. He said, throw it on the ground. And so Moses threw the staff and it turned into a snake and Moses jumped back. Why? Because that's what you do when there's a snake. You jump. At least I do. The Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. And so there's this moment where it takes obedience when God says, throw the staff down, right? He's like, throw it down. And that's his story. And, and he laid it down. It's this moment he used the story. And so it, it, takes, it takes obedience to lay your story out there, like to put it out there, right? 
But see, God's old. Like, he, I don't know if he grew up. Like, if he hung, well, he, he's always been. But like, I don't know if he like hung out like watching Crocodile Hunter. You might watch that growing up. Crikey, I don't know. No, or, or maybe, maybe I don't know if God like watched Gator Boys. I, you know, I'm from the Southeast, so Florida, you know, we, we know all about that. But uh, if you know, if you watch Gator Boys or you watch Crocodile Hunter, you don't grab the snake by the tail. See, I, I was at uh, the Rainforest Cafe in, in Tempe last night with Harper Rose, and I'm like, listen, how are you supposed to pick up a snake? No, and I'd never touch a snake. <laughs> I'm like, this is how you do it, Harper Rose. And I, I grab it by the back of the head. But see, because you know if you grab the tail, my redneck side is coming out, isn't it? But like, <laughs> that's South Alabama. Uh, if you grab the tail, I can whip around and bite you. So it was an act of faith to grab the tail. And so here's what you got to know, church, is, is there, there's obedience to tell your story, but it's an act of faith to let the results end up on God. Like the, there's a moment where you can share your story and, and that's obedience, but it takes faith to trust God with the results, to trust God that it's not going to change their view of you, to trust God to use it and do something with it. Every week, Pastor John steps up here and he begins to preach and it's an act of obedience to say what he's going to say, but it takes faith to trust God to use it. And it's no different for me. You don't have to be on the stage. It takes a step of obedience and an act of faith to share your story. See, everyone has a story, and your story matters, and what you've been through, it matters. And it takes both obedience and faith to share your story. And then Exodus 4.10, we read this. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I feel you on that one, Moses. And he goes, I've never been, I never have been, and now I'm, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied just like I am right now. My, my words get tangled. And like you and I, Moses gave excuses. Like, how many times has God told you to say something to somebody and you don't do it? How many times has God's like, hey, that person needs a word of encouragement. They need you to encourage them. They need you to speak life in their situation and you don't even say a word. How many times, like, I know we, we, have, we, have, uh, we have several church planners in here today, like, and, and there are teams that have, some of them have moved across the country. And how many times has God called you to a step of faith and you wouldn't do it? And we've got people here that take that step of faith, but how many times have we made excuses why not to? And then watch this. I love this. In Exodus 4.12, God says this. And what is your excuse, though? Like, you all got an excuse. What's yours? Is it your past? Is it fear? What's your excuse? In Exodus 4.12, we read this. God says, now go. I will be with you as, I, as you speak, and I will instruct you and what to say. Here's what you need to know is that uh, God never promised that it would be easy, that it wouldn't be scary or it wouldn't be hard. God doesn't promise easy. He simply promises his presence. And he didn't say, I'll make it easy or less scary. He just said, I'll be with you. And so that's the confidence we have, not that it's going to be easy, but that God will be with us. And that's what Moses teaches us is, is hey, all throughout our story, there's these moments we want to mark through, but God wants us to share our story and we, we got we to do it. We got to take that step of faith. And so what do you do with this story? We looked at Moses' story and it keeps going and we looked at the first part of his story. And just like your story, my story, there's moments we want to mark through 
But if we tell you everyone has a story and your story matters, how do you respond to that? Like, what are you supposed to do with that? Like, okay, Jordan, you made some jokes. First service thought I was funnier than this second service. But still, like, Jordan, you made some jokes. We had a good time. We sang some songs. What's next? I read this study the other day by the Barner Research Group, and um, I think it angered me, but also it saddened me. Like, I, I didn't know what to do with it. I want to read it to you. 95% of Christians don't actively share their faith. But I promise you, sometime this week, you're going to, oh, you're going to, I'm going to get, y'all can get mad at me, but you're going you're gonna to get online and fuss about gas prices and how terrible the culture is and the world is, but yet you won't get out there and share your story. And so maybe the problem is the world is we're not doing anything about it, church. And so maybe the chaos in our world would be a little better if we went out and made a difference with our story. Oh, and listen, it's like, I'm, I'm considered a millennial. I know you're thinking, oh, what? You're, you're not like, the, you're not, what's, is it Gen Z next, right? Somebody help me out. I'm looking at the church. Like, yeah, I, like, I know you guys thinking he's got to be like 20, 22. I'm a little older than that. I'm 25. I'm kidding. Oh. I'm, I'm a millennial. Uh, any millennials in the room? Okay, it's a t- let me correct this. I'm an exennial, they say. Like, I was born in the early eight, earlier eight, part of the 80s, so we're like the best. We saw LeBron, we saw Michael, and Kobe. I mean, we had dial-up and fast-speed internet. We had bag phones. Remember those? Anybody? Okay, I should shut that one up then. Okay, but anyway, so we're the, but my generation, this is what I learned about us from the Barna Research Group, that uh, 47%, so that's half of millennials, We actually believe it's wrong to share our faith. Church, what is the problem? And so (laughs) we're mad at culture, but yet we're not out influencing culture with our story. So what what do you do with this? And you guys were giving highlighters when you came in. Um, I got hands like Roddell over here, sorry. Um, Okay, so you were given a highlighter when you came in. And so Moses, he had, he had a knife and a, and a stick. And so I, I did a little bit of research. I found that if I was to give you a knife and a stick in a school, I'd go to jail. Um, so we, we found out, could we set it up to be Pastor Michael? So he'd go to jail. It'd be a great prank, right? But it uh, couldn't work. Um, so you, what are the moments in your story that you want to mark through, but yet I think God wants to highlight? Like, what are those moments? Like, did you think through, like, I don't want to tell, like, God did something cool, but I don't know if that's what I want to say. Like, what are those moments in your story that when you want to mark through, God wants to highlight? Like, there's moments in your story, there's moments in my story of, like, if I think about Moses, like, he could say, hey, listen, my own granddad tried to kill me, and then God met me at a burning bush and reminded me that I was loved. Even though he would want to mark through that, I would say, you've got to highlight that. He would say, I committed murder and experienced God's grace. And he would highlight that. And so what are the moments in your story that you need to highlight, that you need to share? Highlight your story. I think you need to highlight your story. And and we don't, (laughs) you don't be like, man, let me tell you, the man I used to be in college and all the women or whatever. You know, like, we don't want to highlight the sin, we highlight Jesus. And so what do we want to highlight in our story that God's done? And, and, and those moments whenever um, God did something powerful in your life. You know, the students are doing the same series you guys are, are doing, and they're doing the same thing, storyline. And 
Last week we had Savannah and, and tonight we'll have Stella and I've challenged our students, give your, write your story down in 90 seconds. And you're like, Jordan, like, are you trying to give us like a, your, your MLL, your market, multi-level market? Oh, that, I ruined the jo- joke. Anyways, my pyramid scheme, I was trying to get you all in. It sounds like I'm giving you your elevator pitch, but no, get your story down to 90 seconds. And in that moment, can you make Jesus the hero of your story? So make Jesus the hero of your story. Highlight what God's done in your life. Now listen, um, so I'm here today because of a 30-second conversation with Pastor Michael and Aaron and Fries at uh, Reams and Greenway, I think, somewhere over there. Now, listen, I could highlight, and I do believe with all my heart God used them in that 30-second conversation, but what I believe more was Jesus sent them. And so even when God's used somebody in your life, highlight Jesus in that story. Like highlight how Jesus has been the hero of your story. And then I think, um, I, I think probably the next thing you need to do when it comes to telling your story is, I think you need to get a camping chair and you need to get a cold one. So you need a camping chair and a cold one. And you need to answer your phone. Uh, but... Uh, it's Jesus calling. I'm saying get a camping chair and a cold one. Um, so I think, I think if you want to share your story, you need a camping chair and a cold one. So um, don't you judgy people. It's LaCroix. And listen, let's just be honest. Like, uh, have you ever had LaCroix? Guys, this stuff is gross. Somebody told me it was going to kill me in the lobby. Um, I was in Nashville when I tried it. It was a hipster thing to do. Like, I've heard it's called the kale of the beverage industry. Um, <laughs> And like, so I'm drinking, what is it, Raz Cranberry. And, and really like, it's, it's fruit flavored, but it's, it's like if you burped fruit into a can. Like that's really what it tastes like, burped fruit. Uh, but I think you need a camping chair and a cold one. And so I remember 2015, 16, living in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I remember starting a group with Scott and Josh, and around, uh, and we were in 12 South neighborhood. Have you ever been in 12 South in Nashville? It's just a vibe. Come on, guys. If you don't go, we'll road trip afterwards. No, I guess too expensive, but, um, <laughs> but we'd sit around that fire and we'd share our stories with a camping chair and a cold one. And uh, like, I can remember those moments where, uh, like parents, you know, like, you, like we all have stories and like when, you're, when there's something wrong with your kid and you can't quite figure it out, like it is the most stressful thing, right? And I can remember Harper Rose having nosebleeds every night. And I'm like, listen, kid, you're like four years old. We're supposed to be sleeping through the night. We're waking up every night with blood all over the pillow. And I'm just tired and I couldn't sleep. And so I'm at my group and I walked through Josh's house and like, it was just this cool moment. There's, there's Grammys all over the wall. And I'm like, I don't deserve to be here. And I walk out and I grab my chair, my cold one, I sit by the fire. And um, I, I start telling them my story. And we're talking about um, how we're not sleeping. And I'm like, I feel like I have a newborn. I'm waking up so much. And I remember Josh praying over Harper Rose. Uh, that was seven years ago. And in seven years, we've had five nosebleeds. Uh, 
But I think I also remember sitting around that fire and we're telling our story. Um, and, and Scott and I said, hey, what if we, uh, what if we started, because if, if you know anything about me, I kind of like prayer a little bit. Um, I was told by one of our tech team that that was my brand. I don't know. I guess I have a brand now. At least it wasn't like stench. That's good, you know? Um, so anyways, um, Scott and I said, hey, what if we started like a prayer group as well? So at 7.30 every Tuesday morning, downtown Nashville, we have this group in this 1300 seat auditorium and four guys show up. Like, yeah! Two weeks later, it's just Scott and I. <laughs> and we shared our story and we prayed. And two years later, we looked around and moved it to lunch and 200 people from pro athletes, the president of a healthcare organization, and all these men and women around, around a stage praying. But that started with a camping chair and a cold one. And we, all we had there was our story. Um, I remember... I remember, y'all remember the Midwest like burger joint thing on Litchfield? It's like in the restaurant that everything closes all the time, but there was a burger joint there. And uh, I remember in November 2020, the hardest thing I ever faced in my life. I remember Scott, with two days notice, he flies in from Nashville. And he took me to the burger joint and we had a burger and then I remember going back and um, all I could do was Pray, sleep, and cry at my couch. And Scott just sat at that table. And then in April, I'm in Nashville in April 2021, and um, Scott said, let's talk about our story. And he showed up, and we have a picture. And then I was finally like, I should capture this moment. And sitting at a table over in an, uh, what was that place called? Oh my goodness, it was the best burger joint ever. Lamb Burger, it's fire. Um, uh, oh my good! I want to remember the name of that place, and I'm going to preach about it one day because I can't remember the name of that restaurant. Burger Up, that was it. Um, and so I don't. That's not important to this. I don't need to write it down. But he showed up with Burger Up, and then we sit by a table with a, that time a cold one was a Coke, and we talked about our story. And I know Scott tunes in sometimes, and man, I love you. I'm so, I don't know that I would. I don't even know I'd actually be here as a person if it wasn't for you, man, so I love you. Um, but really, it started with, it started with a, it started with a camping chair and a cold one. And I could tell you a story again about a group I was in in Alabama, and, and I had a really, really hard time, Josh and Faith, our group leaders, they show up, and um, it was, it was funny. They showed up and they took me to Five Guys. Yeah, I was sick for two weeks after that. And we went and saw Grown Ups. Anyone remember that? Dumbest movie ever, but it's so funny. Um, and listen, here, here, here's the beauty of it. <laughs> I don't know that it was anything they said other than their story and their presence. And so church, I'm gonna challenge you. And I think we need to be challenged today. Is that a... <laughs> Wait, I, I know you guys, I love the gathering. You guys love the gathering? Oh, yeah, come on. And today I get to speak as a kind of, and I, like, I get it, like I get to, I, I know like, you guys love the country pastor with better arms than the lead pastor when he gets up there. <laughs> you love a good nap when Pastor John preaches. Like there's things you love about the gathering. Um, but what you really love 
And what we hear time and time again is the way you feel like family when you walk in here. The way you have a Scott at the door that wants to hug you and high five you. And guys, I get to speak as the mouthpiece of our pastor for just a minute. I'm pointing at him, but he's not there. But it's this, is that, that what you love, like, what's the purpose of Sunday if we're not living it out on Monday? And so guys, we got to take the church out. And so the community and the, like, listen, this is great. This is how we find Jesus. How we follow people is in groups. And so listen, what you need to do is you got a story. Then you need to lead a group. And listen, Pastor John's words don't settle. We're not gonna let you settle here. And listen, I hear his heart and his heart is straight from the Bible. And he says this is like, we, we, Sunday's great, but we need biblical community throughout the week. And so I'm inviting you, I'm calling you up. If you have a story, then you need to highlight it and you need to lead a group. Because the stories of Scott and Josh that I could tell you, I could tell you stories of those that didn't make it. So how do we close the back door? How do we help people live out their faith? Because when I read those stats about how we as the church share our faith, it broke my heart. You have a story. You have an opportunity. And so there's a QR code on the screen. And so I want to invite you guys, get your phones out. Some of you need to do this. You need to lead a group. And so there's a QR code on the screen. There'll also be balloons out in the lobby and you can go there, there's a circle. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to lead a group, not because it's a church thing to do, because it's a reaching the world thing to do. And so what you're gonna do, and you're like, I don't know if I can lead a group. I don't know enough Bible. We're gonna resource you. You're like, well, I don't know if I'm ready. Guess what? We're gonna have a group. You'll have your own coach and they'll sit down with you and tell you if you're ready or not and help you figure that out. But what I want you to see is there's a power in your story and you need to highlight it. We need to step up, church, because what just happens on Sunday isn't enough, but we need to be the church throughout the week. We need to be the church that serves and loves each other, but also then goes and serves the world. Because listen, the Bible never said you'll know my, you'll know you're my disciples by how you love the world. If you read it, he says, they'll know my disciples by how we love each other in here. And we do that through groups, church. So you got a story. You need to highlight it today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I wanna pray for you. And there's some of you coming here today, you're like, I've, I've never asked Jesus into my heart. I think today is the day I need to. Like, I, I haven't invited him into my story to redeem those moments. And that's you, I want you to slip your hand up. And, we wanna, and you say, hey, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. There's anybody here that says, hey, today's the day. I wanna say yes to Jesus. I want you to slip your hand up. And online, you can let us know in the chat. So all across the room, I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus. Come on, church, let's pray out loud. Say, Jesus, I need you. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I need you to save my life, to forgive me of my sins. And from this day forward, you're the Lord of my life. I will live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. And last question I have for you. Sorry, I'm going to give you whiplash. I'm going to keep you your head again in a second. But um. If you say, hey, I've, I, I want to share my story. I just, 
I have doubts, I have fears, I have anxiety about it. Like I'm stressed out and you're like, I need help. And you wanna, you wanna just, I and you won't, hey, Pastor Jordan, just pray over me. That's you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And you're like, I got a story to tell. I wanna tell it. I don't want you to slip your hand up. And I'm looking, come on, this hand's going up. I know there's more of you. You're like, come on, you got a story. Hey, and those, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. But those that raise your hands, look at me. I wanna, I wanna make eye contact with you. I want to look at you for a second and listen, your story matters. And there's things about your story that you want to hide that God wants to use and he'll redeem, but you got to let him and you got to highlight and we got to make Jesus the, the, the hero. So let's pray. God, I love you. And I pray for the, every hand that went up that God, you help us use our story. And Lord, even if we didn't raise our hands, but that's something we know we need to do. God, I pray that you stir in us a passion and a hunger to share our story. But God, begin to show us people right now. Begin to, to give us a face or a name of, of someone that we need to share. Not, not, not our story that glorifies us, but a story that glorifies you, that shows you as the hero of the world and our lives. So Father, show us. Give us the strength, the boldness, and the clarity. And I love how you guided Moses and you'll guide us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, church, put your hands together. Hey, if nobody's told you this week, I'll be the first to tell you I love you. I'm proud of you. Listen, we got prayer team down front that would love to pray with you if you need to pray with somebody. Outside of that, we have uh, cut the heat up outside the building, so go enjoy that. We love you, and we'll see you next week for week two of Storyline.